Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Everyone is Everything. Today's guest is Anya Lincoln. She's a spiritual thinker, teacher, and author of I Am, A Guide to Transforming Reality and Creating the Life You Want. I saw her book online and just the title, I Am, grabbed me so much because I think those are just such important words and we go into why that is and the cool thing about this conversation is that it's very practical um, and very easy to understand, you know, because a lot of these things can get kind of lofty when you get into spiritual stuff. And um, I think we, we're we constantly circling the practical waters of self-exploration and spirituality. So with that said, enjoy Anya Lincoln. I didn't grab my book. Do I need it? No, I mean, I don't, I don't think so. I think we'll just okay. talk about the just, just general concepts okay. and see where it goes. I, yeah, really. I it's, it's funny because I didn't, uh, like I saw your book. I don't even remember where I saw it. I think I was just looking around the internet, looking for books in this, just in the, the self-exploration kind of vein and I saw your the name of your book and that's what like I was like I am just that I mean I guess we're jumping in I didn't realize I was starting but I guess we're starting <laughs> but yeah I, I then I had to reach out like once I because then I found you on Instagram just because I mean just I am those words are probably the most powerful words that you could possibly say and putting anything, yeah, and putting anything after those comes with so much weight. Oh my gosh, don't I know it? Uh, so when I when I first named the book, uh, I got so much uh, feedback that wasn't positive from friends and family who got very anxious. Oh, all, the the part the the parts of my community that uh, are religious or they were like this is Anya you know I am that's God like that's blasphemy right then the other parts that were more uh new agey enlightening they're like do you realize that there's already a ton of books and some very famous by very enlightened people that start with I am mm -hmm. and I did a little soul searching thinking can I name it anything else and I couldn't, and I said, you know, this is just what, what it's going to have to be. You know, this is, this is the message. That's what the book is about. And uh, when, when I um, originally was writing the book, um, it was, I can tell you a little bit more about it. I don't, you know, right. I don't want to overwhelm you with details right away, but I had a point in the process where I looked at my partner, Will, who um, is both a collaborator, not in, in the book, but in the spiritual process. And he's a coach. He understands. He's one person that I could wake up at night and say, oh my God, I had an insight. Mm -hmm. And so I told Will, I was writing a book about love and soulmates. And I stopped and I said, 
this is not a book about love or soulmates. This has to be about I am, about identity, which I called it identity, not in the way it's traditionally understood, but about this core um, center of consciousness. Mm-hmm. When oneness becomes, you know, channeled into something limited and says, this is him. I'm mm-hmm. here and I'm here to create. So there you go. Yeah. And it's it's interesting to hear that you had reactions from different uh, belief systems, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, the strict kind of, no, we can't do that because that's, that's, you know, and then the other side, which I, like you said, there are a ton of other, other belief systems like, uh, you know, that say you are that thing. And just like you just put it, you are that thing that consciousness just filled into this particular body for this point in time. And, but that doesn't separate you from that. It feels like it does. <laughs> like when you, when you, when you wake up in the morning, you might think of all the things you have to do and all the roles that you are, or you think you are. And um, it probably feels pretty overwhelming. That's why I, I love the, the work that you're doing, because I feel like this is something that just needs to be talked about more and maybe maybe you could talk a little bit about how you got to that point because it's not it's not a thing that I think everybody recognizes in their lifetime you know and then you hear these stories of like Eckhart Tolle and stuff that he just you know had one night where he he realized oh no I'm everything like I am part of this this non-duality comes in like a wave to some people and it seems like that wave hit you but how did you get there yeah, I've actually I had so I had a point in my book where um, I took it out. I took I took out this what I was writing, but I had like a little rant about how it's lucky that some people just get hit over the head with the oneness stuff, you know. And I felt like I had I had this really really long journey of uh, digging deep and um, realizing and going through stuff, and it's it was almost. I'm like, you know, no freebies for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just good. But I actually know that a lot of teachers, um, that like Eckhart Tolle, you know, or Mar- um, not Martha Beck, uh, Byron Katie, for example, even though there was a point of realization, there was still a period of time of undoing mm-hmm. all the tangles that the mind is caught up in. So it's not really fair to say that you got hit over the head with this you know, baseball club of enlightenment. And then all of a sudden you're like, you know. Right. But when Eckhart Tolle had, he was going through a period of suffering, I think, and and depression. And then at one point just, you know, I forgot, I don't remember the story exactly, but released it and, and, uh, or saw this and then just sat on the park bench for, right. Right. For extended period of time in this awareness. So, um, I want to say, I want to jump a little bit to what you said um, a little earlier mm-hmm. before I tell you about how this uh, this happened. Um, I think what you said is really important is that this uh, stuff, the realization of the stuff, right? It seems very, you know, grand and philosophical, um, big, but it's actually really, really practical. And it, it applies to like every single area of your life. It does apply to the morning when you wake up and you think, oh my God, you know, taxes are due, right? You know, the just 
uh, or, you know, look at that, I'm, I'm like getting wrinkles, you know, like nobody's gonna, you know, I don't know, mm -hmm. the, the, the very human stuff. And uh, my, my journey has been, and my work actually now that it's more focused, now that I'm not hiding, which I was for a long time, it's focused on saying, no, no, you can, human experience isn't a problem. The problem is forgetting that we are oneness, that we are who we are as consciousness. We're God, right? Um, in in a sense where there isn't a comparison, you know, God and no God, right? We're and and when we detach from, we don't have to throw away human experience. But once we understand where our true, I'm going to say identity, but it's not it's just our true uh, nature lies, then the human part starts making sense. Mm. And so when I was writing the book, you know, I told Will, you know, again, there's a lot of, I told Will in my life, but right. I told Will, um, this is, you know, I'm writing it as a kind of a theory of everything in a sense, you know, the way I see it, not, not in a prideful, egoistical way, but I said, I'm going to throw everything away and I'm going to re-describe it the way it makes sense to me. And maybe it'll make sense to someone else. And it's like this very like oneness duality, you know, and then we talk about, and then I try talking about normal things like people who are struggling with, um, you know, boundaries or children that are depressed and they can't help them and, or, you know, uh, any other human problem that you can imagine it's very applicable hmm. uh, to, you know, it, it's not just applicable. It, it seamlessly translates into anything that you're doing, you know, your, you know, your housewife or, you know, you, you sweep the streets or you are CEO or it doesn't matter anyway. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Well, so, I, yeah, oh, sorry. Just, just to piggyback on that. Cause I think it's so important. Uh, the two things that really hit me about that is one, the the humanness is not the problem. And it almost feels like the human self, the body, the, the, the roles that we play are almost that antenna that picks up the consciousness. So if the consciousness is streaming everywhere, we are this antenna that it filters through. So it's almost like you can't throw the baby with the bathwater, you yeah, know, and it's like, crazy. yeah. So it's like, and, and, it's it's just important to to recognize that because i think we get quickly tangled especially with spiritual stuff and or and even just saying spiritual could probably throw some people off but the practicality of it i just i i always i think about this a lot and a lot of people i talk to as this podcast comes on and they give lofty um, philosophical or, or spiritual things, I always want to direct it and be like, but how is it practical? How does it help us be people? And right. without that, so I'm so glad that you brought that up. Um, and, and it almost feels like it, there, a lot of people who find this like yourself probably found it through practical means. Like you probably oh, needed to, you know, for me, um, first of all, I want to say what some, um, I had this experience where a friend of mine, a musician, um, came up to me and says, oh, heard you wrote a book. You know, what kind of book is it? And I said, well, um, it's a spiritual book. And he said, what does that mean, spiritual? And he got like annoyed. Mm. 
And I, and I thought about it. I was like, hmm, I don't have the elevator pitch ready. And I thought about it for a moment. I said, well, the simplest explanations for spiritual is that there's oneness. We're, we're all connected. We're all one. Uh, that's spiritual awareness of, of connection of everything. And then, um, so instead of, you know, living as a separate little thing and struggling as a separate little thing, you become aware of the fact that you are part of, of the whole. That's to me is the spiritual, that's spirituality, not angels, not crystals, not, not to knock those things. Those right. are important to a lot of people. Um, but it's, it's simply knowing that separation, any separation, any form, you, me, my cop, you know, somebody else's whatever, is a product of consciousness. But it all comes from the same place. It isn't, you know, um, separate. <laughs> it, it, we perceive it as separate. We need it to be separate to play in this world. But 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 we're all one. We're all connected. So that's right. to me, you know, a definition of spirituality that I that that I that is close to me. And as far as uh, practical things, yes, absolutely. So um, just to to sort of give my path a little context, I have uh, always, even as a little kid, been very aware of this connection. I mean, I didn't know how to call it, but I knew that there was something more than what people were, uh, how, how people were operating and interacting and what we were working with. Like there's more available. Um, and it showed up for me when living in Soviet Union, when I was a little girl, when uh, the churches just opened up. That was the first community that looked outside of what was solid, right, into something uh, outside of what we call strictly human. And uh, I remember coming into a church and feeling like, oh, yes, you know, the, um, there's something here. This is home. And then people were talking about miracles, you know, like Jesus performed miracles. I'm like, well, I can perform miracles. You know, like I was like, you know, Jesus is my friend. You know, like mm. I felt I, it wasn't, I was 12. Right. So, so it wasn't a, uh, uh, what is it called? A narcissistic pursuit. It was just like, no, yeah, of course, let's play. This is the club mm. I wanted to belong to. And, um, and so I started first trying to figure out, like, how do you, how do you work miracles? Meaning, how do we change our human experience um, in dramatic ways that is outside of our, you know, how we understand it can be changed? Like, how is this the only reality? Can mm -hmm. the reality be different? Which can then apply to anything. And so, you know, fast forward, uh, I'm a mom of three, uh, you know, I'm in my thirties and I have this pursuit 
in me, but I'm I'm a painter. I paint it, you know, professionally, uh, part-time. I'm raising my children and feeling like something is missing, you know. And I, I went to coaching training. Um, that was really helpful and eye-opening. It was um, you know, with this philosophy or approach that is a lot like Byron Katie, but just questioning the mind, you know, called the three principles. And then um, for the sake of time, uh, something happens that launches me finally when I was like, I, I have to do this. I have to become more of myself. Uh, it pushed me into this dark night of the soul period, which people call that, mm -hmm. where Basically, I started um, suffering a lot. Um, and in that suffering, trying to be more authentic and in integrity, I started bumping up against all of these different limitations. For example, you know, if I want to move to this place where I want to move, um, I don't have, you know, I don't have any money. If I want to start teaching this, I don't have any credentials, you know? And so I started questioning basically my problems and, um, and that, that started deepening my understanding because I was my own guinea pig. I was thinking, hey, how, do I, how do I solve this? When the reality looks fixed, mm -hmm. right? And for me, I would, work myself into these corners quite often. And after a while I started to, I didn't enjoy the problems, but I was like, oh, okay, I get to see more, like how much more is available. And at one point I, you know, I felt like I was progressing through this um, path and I fell in love and got completely rejected. I mean, wow. horribly rejected. But, and I got stuck in that place for years. I was honest with everybody around me. I had no idea how to get out of it. And so to myself, I would say, well, you know, I've been doing this mind work for years. I know Byron Katie. I know three principles. I know Eckhart Tolle. I know, you know, you name it, I know it. The understanding of oneness is I'm aware of it. So I'm aware of, of my connection to it, but I can't for the life of me see how can I experience oneness when one thing I want that is in one particular human being doesn't want me back. Mm -hmm. That was my practical problem. And, you know, I, um, you know, I, I was like, well, it worked every other time forward is in. So if there is, now, this was not the language at the time, but now I say, like, if you're in a room and there's no exit, you are the fourth wall. So you don't necessarily have to undo or change the reality you live in. Change the consciousness that is holding it together mm -hmm. and things change. And eventually I did arrive at that point where I totally, I could, I could feel the, it, you know, it was like this moment of detachment, but not detachment like rejection of the human. Like I could still feel the love 
for this one human person, which later faded, by mm -hmm. the way, just to fast forward. But but I I felt so complete and connected, and I could see the difference uh, between this connectedness and oneness and this human experience that's playing out however it's playing out. And it stopped making sense to me to start to force the human experience that doesn't want to come my way to do what I needed to do. Because before that, the goal was what? For me, the goal was to come into completeness with myself. Like, if you love me, if mm -hmm. you respond to my email, mm -hmm. you know, my 17th email, you know, Right. You know, look, I'm a human being and, mm -hmm. you know, I've, I've gone through it all, right? Like neediness and codependence. And uh, the, the fantasy was that I will finally surrender to that. Um, and all of a sudden I was seeing that oh, I was here and that did not have to happen. And then the desire for forcing reality to do what it doesn't want to do went away. And I connected to a different person who I'm with right now. And, you know, and then there was a lot of other problems that I've applied this to. And mm -hmm. then finally I said, I got to write the book. Right. Right. <laughs> and, and I mean, it's, it sounds like it's, what's interesting about it is it doesn't sound like it's, you're committed to like a specific like religious belief or or just world belief in gen but it feels like it is this this really applicable thing that kind of pulls from a lot of different sources even naturally even if you found them naturally like this idea of acceptance is is within that this you know this idea of just you know creating space by allowing things to you know, by, by separating from the, the, the need to change the external, you know, I feel like the external, of course, we live in a, a, a reality that we're, we're playing. I like, you keep saying the word play, which I love. Like, I love that even just that usage in terms of living a life, I think is really important to remember like, oh yeah, we're, we're playing here, you know, but this, uh, this idea that there's always an external thing that's going to fix our internal, uh, you know, baseline, you know, and whether, and it's, it's almost, if you get, if you don't pay attention, you almost always have the, you're almost always like once, you know, I'm sitting in my cubicle. Well, well once lunchtime comes, I'll be good. Okay. Once I leave, I'll be good. Once Friday comes and I order my pizza, I'll be good. Once I meet, <laughs> once I meet the right girl, I'll be good. And like all this, this stuff, the pizza, and, the pizza one might be true. The pizza one feels the truest. <laughs> like I'm not joking. If there was one yeah. that I feel is the truest, if there's one universal truth, it's pizza is happiness. <laughs> but um, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, just to that point, yeah, this idea of chasing this external to fix the internal, um, and not to say that doesn't impact it. There are you put yourself in a safer position. Or like when you you know eating, if you can't eat anything, you're going to suffer more. You know, I mean, there are these extreme examples, but I just I, I do I, I like that you have brought that up about you know this external 
thing not being really the answer to the internal issues. Right, right. And you know what? One thing I noticed, which was why I decided to write a book. I'm not a writer. English is my second language, right? It's, um, I did then used to write really good emails, but mm. that, that was about it. You know, yeah. the um, one thing I did start noticing, which was very exciting, was the reality that my fixed reality would start changing as soon as I stopped tr um, trying to pursue uh, a change in the reality to affect my uh, my own sense of wholeness or or you know my my okayness. So um, there is a piece that is super exciting, which goes back to my how do we work miracles that. What I started noticing is that um, consciousness, you know, kind of a big word, but when consciousness, which is which is us, you know, uh, I believe that reality is, you know, even our bodies, even anything that exists here is an expression of consciousness. So it's not really disconnected. It's just it's one thing, and it's just formless becoming form and so that that's how I see it and you know mm -hmm. I'm not arguing for this is one way to see it but it made sense to me that when uh I as a channel of this consciousness experience uh, a, a situation that I want to change and I want to change it because it needs to be changed you know there are it, it you know, but if I try to change it for the sake of the self, to help myself be freer, to help myself feel better about myself, to feel, help myself feel safer, then not only am I reacting to this um, set of circumstances from uh, from a place in me that is uh, seeking something, the change that I'm going to initiate in the circumstances will have the, like a primary focus. And the primary focus is to help me feel better or help me uh, come into a state of, of completeness, like uh, I'm okay. And when this loop happens, Right, because reality to me is consciousness. It's not something consciousness is doing like a hammer and a nail. It's just, it's like a matrix almost, like it's like poof, it's everywhere, like a hologram. This information is is in all these different you know, parts of it. And um, so so what I've noticed is when we when we create change like that. When we're looking outside and you're saying, you know, this war has to stop, you know, or or you need to stop being racist, which you absolutely need to stop being racist. Mm -hmm. But you know, but when you when your focus is outside, or you need to stop making me jealous, you know, you need to start, you know, you know, stop drinking coffee or whatever it is that you're looking outside and say, change that. So I'm okay. It's almost like a, a regurgitation of it doesn't uh, 
it's like uh, an old paradigm in which you simply are switching the switching uh, pieces and, and rearranging the pieces as opposed to completely shifting, which is the miracles that I was interested in. Mm-hmm. Now, where's the miracle is when you look at the reality and you say, yeah, this kind of sucks. I don't like this. I don't like that all of these teenagers in New Orleans are shooting themselves. I'd like to be a catalyst of change or I am always overdrawn, you know, <laughs> whatever, you know, and no problem is uh, small enough for this. And when you take a step back and you say, okay, um, what is in me dependent on this reality changing? Why do I need it to change? And that is the, um, that became a door into, instead of pushing into the old and and stirring the old pot to say, why am I afraid? Like, what's wrong with my account always being overdrawn truly? Well, you know, like, how can I be a spiritual teacher? I mean, this used to be a problem for me some years back, right? If they look at my spiritual, I mean, at my bank account, then, um, you know, then they say, like, what are you teaching? You know, you can't even take care of your own stuff. Oh, stuff started coming up for me. This is not about money. This is about me feeling like I have to prove it. Like I have to be perfect in order to start living my life. Once that was gone. So um, once that was gone, all of a sudden, I'm here. I'm learning. If I can help you, I will. I will tell you what I see. And then I will bump bump up against something I don't see. And I'll question that. You can look at my bank account. Sometimes it might be low. Sometimes it might be high. I, you know, sometimes my teenager yells at me and says, I hate you. You know, you are the worst mother ever. And it's okay because I do not need permission or any condition to be met to be me. From that place, I can change my money. I can change anything. Now, in the old reality where I would say my bank account is overdrawn I must fix it without even questioning what anxiety is driving me I would simply create I might create a little bit more money but then 10 years later this is gonna this problem of needing permission and meeting conditions to be myself waiting for perfection will pop up somewhere else so um after this long tirade, the point is the change, like real change, miracles, different situations, is not only possible, but it's necessary. This is why we're here. We're here to create. And then we say, oh, look at that, what we made. Look, we made a world in which people shoot each other. Let's create a different world. Let's improve. Let's, you know, play. Right. Right. But play in the direction of, do we like this or not? We don't like it, let's change it. But we cannot change it from the point of consciousness that's actually part of the problem. And the point of consciousness that's part of the problem is very often boils down to the identity of each person. 
because every thought that passes through me bounces off of that little cluster of limitations that I'm holding on to about mm. myself. Right. You know, how can I resolve a middle, you know, Middle East crisis if I buy into the same limited reality as every single person in the room? Right. Anyway, this was, yeah. you know, big jumps, but yeah. Well, it's so what I hear you saying then is, uh, in a simple way, you know, recognizing just digging deeper into the self is a is is what we have to do. So if I see, you know, uh, you know, I'm unhappy with, I don't know, my job or something, and I, you know, I I can just continually project out all the reasons why and they might be valid reasons you might have a mean boss or your or whatever it is or on high expectations that aren't reasonable or whatever um but if we like you said with the room with no doors if i look in and recognize what is it about that issue that is bugging me <laughs> you know like like i mean and, and they say well i don't really feel safe here okay well what is it and then you can kind of get down to that oh i'm scared a lot of times you get down to oh i'm scared it's always and... that right like it's, <laughs> yeah, it's always... yeah. <laughs> you know it's true like for example if you um a lot of people who show up to say a job right a job mm -hmm. that they don't like and they continue showing up to it you know yeah they can they can be upset and they can complain and they can say well you know um they might say, I want it to be easier to leave. You know, everybody has different reasons, different fears they operate from. But if they, if if there's just this nudge into looking in as opposed to looking out, like then the answers are actually much more available. For example, I work with a narcissistic boss. Mm -hmm. um, I hate him. He should change, you know read a book about narcissists you know try to figure out how to behave around them okay that's that's all good but if you look in you might say why is it important for me to continue showing up day after day after day to the situation that's obviously causing me a lot of stress and it could be like I had a dad that was narcissistic. I need him, the narcissistic boss, to first say, you're okay, before I can, I could leave. You know, some, a lot of it is about either, you know, power, for example, uh, you, just like with, a lot of times with more powerful authority figures, you know, people who grow up in situations where they've had trouble with that where they felt like the power doesn't belong to them. They find a person who the power does belong to and they sit there, come hell or high water until that person gives them their power back. That ain't gonna happen, mm -hmm. right? Like it's not gonna happen. Or you might say, you know, why are you showing up to this job you don't like? Well, I just don't believe that who I am, really I am, is applicable, is useful in this world or, or can even, belong anyway so mm -hmm. i'm doing this this job that i hate because i think what i love to do this world doesn't want right you know we can question that 
Well, and that's that's really good too because the, if it gets to those those core misguided beliefs, mm-hmm. that's that's super important. Like, and even I mean, in the power thing, I don't really think about power often, but that makes so much sense because even you see people in the like family or romantic relationships where someone has all this power, and maybe even not you know, we don't say it like that, but in a lot of romantic relationships or family relationships or workplace ones, there's someone who has a lot of power and someone who doesn't. And then, you know, that sets up some tension and then they reinforce these core beliefs that I'm not good enough Absolutely. and, and, or I'm not whole, like you said, and then we look for the whole externally and aside from pizza, you're not going to find it. anywhere right so right so recognizing your wholeness aka holiness or whatever you want to say yes, <laughs> like exactly. this is or goodness like you said goodness I'm good, like I'm, yeah uh, not, not the relative goodness like good bad but just right. like your, your okayness your, your completeness you know whatever right. you, so yeah. kind of dismantling these misguided core beliefs about yourself but to your point looking at the bad boss or the bad I say bad, but you know, challenging boss is not, it is an access point into what core beliefs you have about yourself that you need to deal with. Absolutely. Because what I, uh, what I saw, right. I was like, oh my God, once I buy into some limitation, my reality is going to fill in all the spots with people I'm going to look at my reality and it's going to prove to me, no, you know, you're real. One of the, my like little, you know, statements is that I am has to be real in the reality it lives. Like it's a, it's like a, um, like a mirrored world. You know how the the saints say, you know, the world is you, the world really is you. It's Mm -hmm. not a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing. Um, but it doesn't mean that the mean boss or the abusive partner is off the hook. And I apologize for that, um, is off the hook, but they're off the hook from my wholeness. Mm -hmm. In the physical world, if you wreck my car, I'm still going to call your insurance company, right? right. So it's not, um, it's not saying, well, you know, you are uh, giving people who do bad things a free pass. That is not true. You just get very clear that whatever you're dealing with, especially things that keep repeating patterns, if you have the same boss every job you go, you know, what's the common denominator here, right? Um, and it's not a guilt thing. It's a power, th- empowering thing. Like I was saying in one of my reels, it's um, at first you're like, oh man, I really am creating this. And then you're like, oh my God, I am. I am creating this this reality. I have, I have uh, a leverage point to turn mm-hmm. the world upside down inside me and that's the most liberating thing ever and now the the scary part of course there there is a little asterisk you know proceed proceed with caution when you start going down that path 
every major fear you let go of, you do experience a kind of a collapse. People call it ego death. Like, um, because if I see that I am just as narcissistic as my boss by sitting there saying, no, you recognize me. I want you to see me. I think that I'm hurt and I'm, you know, I was victimized as a, you know, but in the current reality, sorry, there's like a school around here and so there's noise. Oh, yeah. okay. uh, but the, um, in the reality that I live in, I am just as self-focused as that selfish guy that I am trying to get to um, give me what I want. And that's so humbling and in a way kind of equating, like it, it's not that I, I am as bad as the person who beats up little children, but I could see how I've bought into an unconsciousness just as easily and quickly as they did. Now, I might be morally a little more superior because I chose not to do something with that unconsciousness that's horrible. Right. But we're both unconscious. Mm -hmm. And we're both doing this. Now, for me to say, oh, you know, I am, uh, there's nothing that I need to get from this, is to also say, I have to release my need, um, say for your attention for, or for your approval. And when I release the need for your approval, what happens to me is I sometimes re-experience the sadness of my childhood, for example, when I really wanted that approval and I didn't get it. And to, to allow ourselves to feel that fear and to let it go, to say, no, the, you know, Don Quixote, you know, like fighting with windmills is over. That was a fantasy. You had to grieve it in a way, but then start going the other direction. And all of a sudden, you know, it could be that the narcissist just leaves and you never encounter them again. Mm -hmm. That has happened to me multiple times. This is why my book is called Transforming Reality. But you cannot transform reality when you need it to transform. Right. You transform it because you become transformed. And then... Right. And then when you're playing, it's very, um, the reason I'm, I, 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 was, I said playing because we talked about it, but when you, then your act of creativity in this world is intentional, precise, conscious. You wanna work here or work here? There's a narcissistic boss, you wanna work with them? Okay, you know, like there's no suffering, there's no strife, there's no I have to, there's just like, okay, this is my child, I'm raising them, you know? I adopted a puppy, they bite, you know, okay. Like there, it's very, life becomes very simple mm -hmm. when you stop holding it responsible for your okayness. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, that, that makes a lot of sense. And it's, it's interesting because I, I like that you said that, you know, as we dig in, you know, 
it's hard like that like you have to give a voice to these you you have to listen to these when i say you know there's these core misguided beliefs that you have about yourself you still have to listen to their grievances you know if it's an it like you said if it's like an childhood thing that you you know you needed validation and you didn't have it or need some attention that you didn't get you then have to listen to that inner child be like this is why this is and then that sucks <laughs> you know that's hard but um go ahead what I want to say is that usually those grievances right the what is you know even harder and scarier they're based on some core assumption this is what I write about which I am about how you who you are and how this world works and for example one of the very core deep assumptions that I see um, with myself and with people is you know, it's not all always the same language, but it's always about being in or out. Like if I belong to a community, if I belong to a family, if I belong inside the walls and I'm safe, I'm, I'm going to be okay. If I am cast out, right. Then I, then it's, I am in this faceless, dark space cold outside of where warm bodies are and that we don't think we think oh such and such doesn't approve of me or that one doesn't love me or I don't have enough stars on my wall but that fear of that is very real because that's that sits at the core like um, like an awareness of an of a of sometimes I say a bee allergy sits at the core of a person who is deathly allergic to bees. Like you don't have to remind yourself; you just know. And that's how we go through life. We just know that we must play by the rules. We must make people like us. We must pay our dues, whatever it is, right? In order, but what we're preserving isn't that top feeling that's actually quite unpleasant. The, we are preserving our place in the world that we must not be pushed out of. Mm -hmm. And when there's a moment in, in this uh, process of, of releasing and, and actually creating a shift in your, in your psyche, when you have to face that fear of what would happen to me, um, if I am cast out. And then people say something like they, I usually, um, in my book, I suggest that people make like an I, I am statement based on the inevitable, unfortunate state of their being at the end of the inquiry. And, you know, somebody might say, oh, I am nothing unless I belong. And this huge, emotion comes up that's what's been sitting underneath driving all the anxieties and fears and all of like that state suggests actions it suggests reactions all kinds of stuff and then when we say okay so who would I be and this is very Byron Katie who would I be without this thought it's not that in the human world you don't need to belong to this or that but you, you're God. It's insanity to believe that 
You're nothing if you don't belong. You're everything, whether you belong or you don't. And then that is when a little bit of ego death and a little suffering, because you it doesn't go easy. It just it like wants to, to hold on to you. But then there's freedom. And from that place, you're like, oh, I am everything. And I can interact with some things without being dependent on them to be everything. Hmm. Anyway. No, that's great. And I, it, I mean, that's perfect. I was just, I was all, I'm all in on all of that. And it, it makes me think, you know, cause sometimes we have these, these beliefs and they're used as, you know, their armor, they protect us, especially when we're young and we're unsure and we're figuring all this stuff out, just how to navigate the world. And then that armor, this is an image that kind of works for me, that armor kind of almost grows into you. So now it's like in your flesh and then you have to, to take that armor off. It's going to hurt because now it's, it's been on for 30 years or 40 years or, and so you kind of have to tear it and then start to heal. And that's, but you have to remove that. And it's so interesting um, to just everything you said, there was so much, so much good stuff, but it makes me think of, uh, you know, the, that wholeness connecting with the wholeness i think is like the primary idea connecting with your inherent wholeness and your inherent okayness because that the people that the people and situations that we are asking to give us the part that we think we're missing they don't have it mm-hmm. like that's the crazy thing it's like once this person tells me they don't they never had it it's like you know what i'm calling uh a mechanic and ordering a pizza he doesn't have the pizza <laughs> like exactly. he doesn't have it you you know and it's just it's this interesting thing to really recognize because i do it still you know i i find a community that's that i either friends or a spiritual community and you know i feel accepted but the minute that something you know it's, i didn't get what i wanted they didn't pat me on the back and i'm like oh no they hate me like uh-huh. now, and now I have to act in a way that I think they want me to act, you know, and then I'm doing something that's not authentic. And now there's tension inside my body. Absolutely. I think that's a beautiful image about the armor. You know, there's mm-hmm. a, um, there, I have to say, I didn't read this book, but a friend of mine uh, told me about a book called What Got You Here Won't go- Get You There. And I bought the book just because of the title, never read it. Great title. But I thought, that's a great title. The author deserves my $15. Yeah. You know? So, but it's um, it's absolutely true what you said. It's a beautiful image. And I think the mistake people make, especially in the self, self-help, but like even like enlightened psychology community, is that they see healing as a kind of um, thing that can happen with that armor still on. Mm. So uh, you adjust your environment, almost like, I think I once equated it to uh, a broken bone. They think, they think you're a broken bone and you have to be, you know, kept safe and you have to, um, be undisturbed in order for you to heal but 
that suggests that you have to control your environment. You have to tell them, don't do that to me. Don't judge me. Come on, pat me on the back. That's going to make yeah. me feel better, you know? <laughs> but that's not how the process of taking off the armor works. You have to realize wholeness. You don't get to it. If you are coming at it from the broken state, two does not equal one. It will never. And the way I talk about it in the book, that identity, which means basically a thought that we have mistaken for who we are, right? Some or a collection of thoughts in most cases, deep core ideas that don't look like ideas, they look like reality. Um, it, it wants to heal. It's uncomfortable. It says, I want to go back to oneness. But I want to go back to oneness without break, uh, giving up my um, attachment to separation. It wants to heal, but it doesn't want to give up the sickness. Mm. So it, it becomes this, uh, you know, self-perpetuating thing. And this is why it doesn't work to seek healing in the way that your brokenness suggests it has to come. You know, again, you have to walk the other way. You have to realize the fact that you are absolutely whole underneath the armor, and it's going to hurt a little to take the armor off. But once it's off, nothing needs to be added to you. The, the armor is just an, uh, an illusion, an appearance of, of who you are. And your whole world might be adjusted to fit it. Just like um, I work with a physical trainer and she says, Anya, you realize that every time you like say drive, and there's one thing out of alignment, your body doesn't want to feel misaligned. So it realigns the rest of itself to fit that disbalance. And you never feel like you're not okay. Just like you're in the armor, like, oh, I'm fine. You know, mm -hmm. I just need them to like me, mm -hmm. you know, or something. And then occasionally you get depressed because it hurts to be misaligned. But the... Um, the challenge and the difficulty maybe of taking the armor off is sometimes your whole world is designed to, um, to fit the understanding that we all have to wear armor. You might belong to the armor club. Your mm -hmm. family might be all armored. You know, there might not be one person in your town that does not buy into this. And then you become this like, uh, you know, you come to this point where it might feel like choosing this freedom is choosing to be kind of a fool for in, in, in Orthodox um, story, like fools for Christ. You know, they, they mm -hmm. had these people who just you know, would like run around the town naked or mm -hmm. basically I think they're called contrarians in mm -hmm. general um, uh, I learned that from Martha Beck. I don't know if you know who, who mm -mm. he is, but 
um, she's Oprah Winfrey's life coach, but, uh, but she's, but anyway, the point is, there is a point in every person who wants to make true change, like transformative change, uh, sustainable change, uh, where you might feel like there is no proof of what you feel real on the inside, outside of you. And you're just gonna have to start living that truth independently and conditionally while feeling that temporary, like, oh my God, like I'm I'm alone. And, you know, I not to scare people who wanna improve mm -hmm. their lives. And it always comes gently. Like you, you, you are in control of this process anyway. You, you only give yourself as much as you want to handle. It's not, um, but in the extreme situations when you truly are detaching or or destroying that fourth wall where how am I participating in this reality in the situation and and saying I'm going to go and uh, tap into my freedom all on myself by myself there might be a bit of a rude awakening where your new self doesn't align with the world that has been constructed to fit your armor. And there's a little bit of a empty elevator um, stage where you have like people left, for example, you know, and you have to ride alone until new people come in. And, um, uh, you know, it it's definitely a path that is might might look like it needs a little bit of bravery, you know, um, but from the inside, it's the only thing that it make that really makes sense. Once you taste that freedom, and you know, your consciousness that used to filter out armored people, right, mm -hmm. of all sorts, you know, hey, your your armor matches mine, you know. Mm -hmm. um, opens up it's almost like it used to used to be very very tight like a tight net and all of a sudden it loosens and you start seeing that no i'm not alone besides i belong in this world doesn't matter if there's i'm the only one this is me i'm part of i'm god i'm consciousness and if the armored people are a problem then there's still a problem in me otherwise it's just all manifestations of the of oneness that I am and you know you start seeing and people might describe it as attracting mm -hmm. but I, I believe it's not you know attracting is a little misguided because it's like a it's like an action I'm going to attract it like I don't have it but you start seeing that things do get drawn to you mm -hmm. opportunities to fit your new state because the old one doesn't make sense to you anymore. Yeah, I mean, that's very perfectly said. Um, and there's there's so much uh, wisdom there that I don't even know where to where to jump in. But yeah, it's just it's it speaks to the 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 discomfort that you have when you first start removing stuff and then the discomfort of you know that that judgment that you feel that oh nobody else is like 
is do am i alone like all my old friends aren't they don't i'm i'm the weird one to my old friends now or something you know and it's just like it feels weird and you say well maybe i'll just i'll just put it back on sometimes but like you said once you kind of taste that little bit of freedom that little bit of authenticity i feel like that's kind of what it's all about you know and you know there's a there's there's people that probably don't even re- their armor might fit so well and it got them money and uh whatever things they thought that they needed and they're just walking through this whole life thinking yeah this is great i'm gonna actually collect more armor because you know it's working and that's okay but at the same time it's it's uh it reminds me of um there's a saying by uh hindu sri ramakrishna uh from the vedanta side of things and he says you know uh a golden shackle is still a shackle mm-hmm. um you know whether it's whether it's just you know rusted metal or gold you're still shackled unless you can get to that sense of because he talks about non-duality so a similar thing where it's just like once you recognize you are the capital s self and you are one with everything then that's when whether you're golden shackle or you're rusted one you can break it so this is kind of that idea of freedom is we we love freedom. We talk about freedom all the time, but recognizing how free we are as individuals, I feel like is a whole nother thing. Right, right. That's a beautiful quote. Yeah. Um, and you know, what's interesting is the, well, first of all, one thing that I did see that surprised me once I uh, was like, I'm going to, I'm going to re-describe this all. And not that I'm saying something new, but I'm just gonna try to sort of understand it for me, right? One thing that totally blew my mind that it wasn't the bad thing, things that we had a hard time getting rid of, rid of, even though the bad thing is what signals, right? That something is not working. It's how, it's what we're getting out of this reality isn't working. It's what's working for us. It's how good we got at, um, at something that is keeping us shackled to the things that don't work. It's the good stuff that is hard mm-hmm. to give up because that's the identity. What are you, what are you talking about? I, I help everybody. What can you say to that, you know? And, and so, but, but the other thing about, a uh, beautiful thing about shackles is that, you know, if it's working uh, good for you, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's working. This is only necessary if you truly want change. Mm-hmm. And what I, um, the liberating part of, of this realization is that it's really none of my business w- what shackles you, you are wearing. Right. You know, I, you know, you, you're doing it great. It's where I, only I am bumping up against the walls of limitations of my reality where it looks like it's all there is. And the only way forward is to either deny, suppress, or myself or hurt others, right? It, you know, that if I want to question that, then I have to put everything in the fire. What's right. working and what's not working conditionally. And mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that, which is, um, it doesn't mean that if you surrender that, that you lose what you're good at but it's almost like a purification. You lose Mm. the conditional good 
and you get left with what's really good. Right. Like you might have been really good at pleasing people, but now you're just a happy, funny person. Mm-hmm. That's it. And you're still probably pleasing people. And you're pleasing them, but you are not. You don't you're have not, an agenda. Yeah. You don't have the result isn't. Yeah, and this is. You're just like or the same thing with love, right? You know, you are either seeking love, needing love, keeping love, controlling love. Or you're just so lovely, everybody's in love with you, especially your soulmate. And you, it's okay. And that's it. You don't have um, your connection to the state of love is not dependent on whether they see that you love them. You know, right. Or they receive that love from you. Yeah, it's it's interesting, especially when put into the love context, because we we see that, I think, very often as a transactional occurrency. You know, yeah. it's always a currency. And I, I realized I didn't, I don't think I've fully embodied it, but it's something that kind of hit me somewhat recently where I was like, wait, can I be in love without a partner, without somebody? Cause you think the term you say, well, I'm in love that assumes that, oh, who is it? Who is she? You know, but like, yeah. can I just be within it? And you could say that you could replace that with consciousness or wholeness or whatever. Could I, and it's the same thing. Can I be in that space on my own? And then whatever comes, you know, I'm already in that, that wholeness, that space of love. And then, you know, it's an interesting thing. I, like I said, I don't think I'm fully embodying it, but I, it's a, it hit me recently where I was like, oh, wait, I always thought you had to like find someone to be in love. And it's like, or, you know, maybe you can just be in that space. Yeah. As like an it, individual. Like it, to, it doesn't have to be activated by right. like. You know, here comes right. like another magnet, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, I, I mean, I, I definitely think that's a beautiful inquiry. And mm-hmm. I just, I think, yes. Right. Uh, but you, you have to experience that on your own. Um, one thing that, I don't think this is where you are. I think your in, inquiry is, is, is just an inquiry and pure. Some people, this is how tricky our mind is. It, it says, because if we are afraid of love, the real uh, physical love, you know, maybe we bought it into some limiting ideas about love. Um, we don't feel safe being loved or being seen. People hide in the spirituality aspect. And they say, can I just, ex- can I have the cake needed to right here without doing that well you know that's the wall that's going to have to be examined Mm. at a later time right i think what you're saying is 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 that state conditional or is it available Mm -hmm. to to me and you know i think absolutely i'm all you know my my uh my kids always say mom are you high and they don't they don't use that yeah i very often as of late uh, well, several years now, have these really, I mean, it's always there, but sometimes I actually feel it. I feel high, like uh, an in love high, mm-hmm. just cause. Right. You know? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm not claiming to fully have, have to have fully embodied it either, but, mm-hmm. but I definitely, have seen it and experienced it and I know it's available right and then when you when you encounter a person 
that you can be in love with in a human way, it is like an amplification of that feeling as opposed to activation. Right. It's like it's in you and it just gets bigger. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally see it that way. And I also see the little pitfalls of these, the spiritual ideas that can block, be another sheet, be another part of our armor and be like, you know, I see, you know, I, I feel it. And they're like, oh, wait, you know, you know, and this is why relationships and being human, like you said, being human is not a problem. So if I, if I enter, you know, relationship with whether, like I said, if that's romantic or if I just recognize it in different parts of my life, um, relationships will, will show you, you know, like when you, you know, they'll show you, they'll show you, like, I think, I don't remember who said it, but they're like, oh, you want to, you want to dig out your, the stuff, the dark stuff you need to dig out, go get in a relationship or like oh, absolutely family too. family counts in that. Didn't, uh, my, my, uh, my partner checked out your podcast about with uh, Ram Dass's assistant. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sita Ram Dass. I didn't actually hear it, but I think Ram Dass said like, if you think you're enlightened, go visit oh. your mother or oh. something, your family. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, if you think you're enlightened, spend a week with your family. Family, right. I, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, I don't even. I don't think it needs to be a week. I think sometimes it can be an hour. Exactly, but you know, it's it's true. Um, the way I, I I've been thinking about it, there's really nothing to be afraid of. First of all, uh, in human experience, the worst is going to happen. You're going to meet yourself. Hmm. You know, that's the worst. It it it's, it could be pretty bad. But the best thing about it is that the answer is still inside. Right. And if I am buying into the same limitation as the mother who aggravates me, yeah, I'll be in that tassel. But I can undo it on one end. The world is, does not owe me a thing. And then the world changes because I have changed. And um, the re- there was a reason I mentioned being in love as a pa- part of my path. Because, yeah, you can question everything. But when you get into those relationships or into those you know, um, love relationships. That's when stuff gets really close to the core and very, very scary. So yeah, it's, um, it's definitely a beautiful journey. And it's what I love about it is that you, any one of us has everything in our reality available to us in order to continue unfolding into whatever being we came here to be. Mm-hmm. So it's it's all here and it's all in the relationships and in the challenges and in the dreams and in the desires. Human experience isn't a problem at all. It's only a problem for the problem that doesn't want to look at itself. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, if I can divide myself very in a very pretty way and put myself in a, oh, this is a box of spirituality. It's all pure and peaceful here. You know, I don't want to look here, like the way people look at detachment. Mm -hmm. That's not detachment. This is separation. Mm -hmm. You're, you're all of these things. If you can't be with this, this ain't, this not worth much. Right. You know, um, anyway, that's, yeah, I know we've uh, gone over time, but I no, it's uh, it's okay. Um, I, I actually since since we we have crossed over the hour mark, I do have 
two final questions that I always ask. So I'm going to shoot these out to you. They can be as quick as you want in terms of answers. Um, one being, you know, I started this podcast because I like to, I think like most people suggest things to people. I say, Oh, this, this really helped me. And like, or even if it's, Hey, I like this band or I like this book or I like this quote or I like whatever, or practice even I, you know, meditation or journaling. And then say, Hey, try this, you know, um, if you could suggest something to people, it could, like I said, it could be a practice, could be anything, could be a pizza place. I don't care. <laughs> like, what would you suggest to people to say, hey, you know what? I like this. You should try it. What would I suggest to people? Mm -hmm. um, well, it depends on what they're after. Mm. Um, my suggestions would be different, but... I think on the simplest level, um, without getting very spiritual, is try doing something completely new and something that will interrupt your normal path of thinking and open yourself up to insight. This is, this is very basic. This, you don't have to understand anything about reality, consciousness, spirituality. Just be what happens when your mind stops traveling in predictable ways. And all of your challenges will show up in that new thing that you're trying. For example, I started dancing. All of a sudden, I was really controlling. I couldn't follow the lead. I was like, oh my God, mm. I know exactly where to look. So if you have got, if you are in a rut and if, if everything is kind of muddled, muddied, I don't know the mm. word, but yeah, just go learn a new skill. But anyway, I, I, think, I think that that would be a really good. That's great. That's great. It's like a, a new thing gives you access to the same issues that you're you're running yeah. into and a lot of things that's really good i like that a lot and also it shakes up your your thinking right. much like um you know drugs that interrupt your normal thinking mm -hmm. like yeah. they used to give lsd to people who want to you know for them to be creative right um the new stuff starts working and all of a sudden you you will start noticing insights you right. will start noticing different way of seeing things mm-hmm so we are in support of pizza, LSD, and yes. <laughs> those are our, that's where we can take away from this. <laughs> um, no. So the last question uh, is in, in the story of Peter Pan, if you're familiar with Peter Pan, yeah. there's uh, lost boys who live in Neverland. And in order to fly, to elevate themselves, they have to think of a happy thought. If you had to think of a happy thought, what would your happy thought be? Oh, um, well, I can't answer that question okay. because I don't believe in happy thoughts. Good, okay. Because, I mean, not that I believe in, of course, I have happy thoughts. Right. And, but to be completely honest, when I'm looking for elevation, I back up. And I, I, I get into a place where I, I know who I am. Mm. 
and I remember who I am. And then happy thoughts, unhappy thoughts, even if I'm thinking, uh, you know, whatever, all of a sudden I, I begin to, to feel myself lifting because I don't have to generate right. um, a temporary boost of right. like, energy. I'm just all. And then that naturally results in saying, oh my God, life is so beautiful. Look at this right. water. And then know? everything is. Like this coffee is amazing, you know? Right, right. It took 19 or 20 guests for someone to dismantle that question. And I'm glad. <laughs> well, or, 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 you know, let's go have pizza. That's all. Right. Like, yeah, that's yeah. a good one. If if the if the oneness fails, <laughs> just go, go eat. Go, eat. go get a pizza. <laughs> Okay, well, I is there anything else you want to share? Anything else you want to say before we we get off? Um, no, I mean, if people are interested in in my book, it, it is on Amazon and Audible. Cool. But um, other than that, you know, uh, no, I, I really enjoyed this. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for being on, and um, I will definitely post the book in the show notes with a link to Amazon so everybody can get there easily. But uh, yeah, thank you. This was really great. I'm going to have to listen again just to kind of absorb it because it was it was very good. So I really appreciate your time and insight. Thanks, John, for doing what you do. And um, just, you know, I think it's it's amazing work and it's needed in the world. And I think it's, um, yeah, it's time anyway. Right, right, so, yeah. right, right. All right, cool. Thank you. Thank you.